It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Let's go. You're listening to BGN Radio. Because we didn't have final say last year. Pieces are fitting together in the puzzle, right? Thanks, guys. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Uh, uh. Yeah, Man, you 21 now, and I still can't believe it. Been living on your own, just hard to believe. Oh, what's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? We have made it to episode number 119, and we are uh, very happy that uh, you have all joined us right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Of course, if you are listening to us on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on iTunes, uh, rate, uh, subscribe, review. We always want to hear your feedback. Of course, I know it's really hard when... You know, this Eagles team is staring down the barrel of one and four. And you want to keep talking about the Eagles if that continues to happen. We'll definitely get into that uh, this week. But uh, definitely just it's it's a way that we can grow and uh, and get all that good stuff out there. Uh, and, of course, you can always check out myself and James Elster every Sunday morning from 8 to 10 on 97.5 The Fanatic. But uh, let's introduce the crew as we welcome back for the second week in a row. We are very glad to have him back. The Hefe, the man in charge, Mr. Brandon Lee Gatton. What's happening, pal? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. First time on with the guy you're about to introduce next. The Philly influencer himself, phillyinfluencer.com. You can also check out his work on Fox 29 on the weekends. He's also on you know, Good Day Morning, sprouting all these wonderful eagle seeds along with everything else in Philadelphia sports. It's our good friend, Mr. Sean Brace. What's happening, buddy? Gentlemen, gentlemen, uh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here for 119. Yes, yes. Uh, and let's just start with, I, 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 we were talking off air, and it almost seems like this is the, it's the same kind of setup uh, as it was last week against Washington and now against the Saints, except it's with a lot tougher quarterback, uh, home and not away. There's no hurricane, et cetera, et cetera. Um, last week, it was, you know, we had, or at least I had said, I think Ben had said, you, you would want to set up the throw. There were some worries about Sam Bradford, you know, being able to throw, it would be a f- throw first, uh, run second type of game plan, especially with the offensive line of struggles there. Uh, thought he did uh, pretty well, and I would even say really good in some spots if it weren't for a couple of penalties and everything else. Just very disappointing. I think the 
the air just kind of let out last week, and everybody this week is picking on everything. And I think BLG, the number one things were Monday, uh, the you know the the I think it was the the press conference right after. You know, the week, whatever it was, at one o'clock in the afternoon, everybody's listening to the chip and you hear this kind of come out where it's like, he's blaming players. He's not taking any responsibility. This is nuts. I hate this. Uh, da, da. He's all arrogant, et cetera, et cetera. And now like the more and more press conference, I don't know if PR got into his ear. I don't know if it was like, hey, you got to establish that you're taking blame here too. He comes out a little later, even today on Thursday, as we're recording this, saying that a lot of the first half struggles are definitely on him not calling a good game. Uh, you know, a lot of people took the press conference early pretty literally, and I don't know, did you do that same thing uh, when he was first speaking this week? No, I didn't read into that. I think he, he cleared that up a little bit today, too. He said execution is on all of us. Like, you know, it's not... He's, when he's saying execution, he's just... He's not just saying the players aren't executing. He's saying he's not executing with the game plan. Uh, he's not making... He's not executing with the right calls. I think people just interpreted that how they kind of wanted to interpret that. I think there's a lot of a lot of hate out there for Chip Kelly, and obviously some of it's deserved. The team is one and three, but I think they're you know you saw those reports earlier this week. Uh, you saw Brian Billick talk about how uh, the Eagles are a powder keg. I almost forgot about up. that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and how uh, Chip Kelly treats players like they're in college. And you saw another report that Chip Kelly apparently told the Eagles organization he isn't going back to college. So there's all this. <laughs> Chip Kelly talk this week, and it always happens every year, especially even in the past years uh, when they've struggled. There's always a college rumor that pops up. It was Texas. It was Florida. So this is just the kind of typical Chip Kelly. You know, the Eagles are losing, so everyone just kind of piles on him. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sean, I don't I don't know what to make of all that stuff, man. Like, it, it is always it always seems like, especially when things that they're at their worst, you hear kind of all these different stories you're you're getting stats like comparatively of like hey look how good this running back is doing and then look at how much money's being wasted on DeMarco Murray and what it is no and I would just say this he's in a no-win situation you know Chip Kelly's number one thing right now has to keep this he has to keep the locker room together has to that's his number one thing and obviously winning football games will do that but remember if they lose this game it's pretty much done you know I I realize that ESPN is rolling out that 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 you know, they're still have a 38% chance to win a <laughs> yeah. division. I don't understand that. You know, when you got the skins listed as 7%, but they just beat the Eagles. What the hell is that? But uh, after that, even if the Eagles were to lose this game, there's still 11 more games to be played. Chip Kelly realizes that his number one goal, he has to keep this locker room together. And I believe a player came out there after that Skins game and um, they, they were asked, well, what did Chip Kelly say after the game? And he said, everybody's going to try and tear us down, but we got to stick together. And that's that's what he's got to say. He, he can't say anything that's going to please the crowd 100%. So when he says things like, you know, the, the players got to execute – Everybody gets all pissed off because he's not taking the fall for it. It's not on Chip. He's blaming the players. But then when he comes out and says things like, I have to do a better job, then everybody gets all bummed out because, oh, you're reminding me of Andy Reid. So he can't win right now. I don't pay attention to anybody what what anybody has to say about his press conferences because at the end of the day, it's coach speak, and his number one concern is keeping that locker room together. And it's going to be tough if they lose this game against the Saints on Sunday. Well, let's get into that a little bit, BLG, because we – I don't really, it's still going to be really tough. I know the line's kind of moved up and down as far as what Vegas thinks is going to happen. I think it's a a better advantage. I hope it's a better advantage that they're playing in Philadelphia rather than down in in St. Louis here. (laughs) Offensively, 
Is this going to be kind of the same game plan here that we, you would have against Washington, or are you really going to try and establish the run again uh, when we know that maybe they, they're not going to be able to? Jason Peters is still kind of up in the air as far as what he's going to be able to do. Lane Johnson's going to be powering through like a like I think somebody had pointed that out and I can't remember who it is now and it's killing me that oh Dan Schmidt from our our friend the Sons of the Spectrum uh, had said it's it's come to the point where Lane Johnson might be able to wrestle an actual bear because that's how tough he's getting with his MCL sprain he's going to go forward with this but uh what do you do against the Saints uh, uh you know defensively and uh Lane Johnson has an ankle injury too so well, it's really pile it on yeah, up there yeah, so he's really, and he might be playing left tackle, which is, you know, that's obviously a position he hasn't played in a long time. So, but as as far as your question goes, um, I, I think you come out against the Saints defense. Uh, I think you have to throw the ball. I think you, know, you look at football outsiders, they rank dead last against the pass. Meanwhile, I think they're something like 12th against the run. So they are a little bit stronger there. Uh, the secondary just really doesn't impress me. I know they have you know, guys like Jarris Bird and, and Keenan Lewis, but I think some of those guys have been banged up. Uh, I just don't really think this is a Saints defense that is very good. And and I've never been a, a Rob Ryan fan. I don't think anyone's really been a Rob Ryan fan yeah. ever. So <laughs> uh, I'm just really not impressed with their talent on that side of the ball. And not only the talent, but just the scheme and everything as a, as a whole. At the same time, I just, I have like no confidence in this Eagles offense. I just don't have any. It just, <laughs> just with how awful the offensive line has been and not just that, but just, in every phase, it's just a complete systematic failure. They can't catch. They can't run. They can't block. They can't throw. They, like, they just can't do anything. So I, I guess, you know, the, the plan here is to try to attack that defense. And Bradford is coming off of his best game of the season. So maybe he can build on that. But I'm, I'm really not feeling good about this Eagles offense. Still. Well, yeah, and if they can, you know, they have those kind of young rookies playing on the defensive side of the ball in their front seven that, took Dallas uh, kind of to the woodshed and that, you know, they are considered the best uh, offensive line of all time and all praise Allah and, and all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, Sean, I guess the other thing that Chip had said on, on Thursday was, yeah, I, I do think it's almost impossible to blitz Drew Brees. And you kind of almost saw that when they played each other two years ago in the playoff game, they kind of stayed away from that. Sean Payton immediately went to the run is that something wh- – where in your head are you going to play uh, against these guys? They don't have a lot of success with their wide receivers thus far. Brandon Cooks hasn't been great. They've There's no Jimmy Graham there. Uh, are you forcing the issue by bringing a little more pressure, or is this going to be, you know, the rush three, rush four type of football game for you? And it's amazing. And then you look at the stats and the Saints offense uh, passing the football this year, they're third. They're third in the league. Yeah. So it's like they're still getting it done and you nailed it. It's only because of, of Drew Brees. The guy is an absolute animal. Oh, even though uh, when the backup ha- hopped in against the Panthers, I thought he had um, McGowan, right? right McGowan? think that's right yeah 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 yeah. when he was in against the Panthers he had a great game so I you know obviously that's going to help out the stats but um it comes down to Drew Brees and I thought that yeah it was excuse me it was Luke McCown I apologize but uh bottom line is is I thought Chip nailed it where it was like Drew Brees you can't blitz him because he's so smart he's a student of the game again when you talk about you know teams having success in the NFL and it always comes out as a quarterback league but then you look at like Who's the cream of the crop? There's only four guys that really come to my mind, and that's Peyton, that's Aaron, that's Tom, and that's Drew. He's one of the best of the best. So you have to really pick and choose your spots there. Um, And if you don't come after him and mix things up, 
like they did against the Washington Redskins in that final drive. He'll pick you apart like Kirk Cousins did. So um, it's a really, really interesting. This is a, a really good spot for for Billy Davis, I think, to mix it up. And and I, I want to say have some fun. Obviously, you can't do that when you're looking at the at one and four if you lose this game. But just get out there and and, and you know what? If you've been drawing up that one blitz and you've been waiting for the opportunity to use it, do it. Do it. Get after the quarterback. You have to mix it up, I feel. Um, I, I look at Drew Brees, and I think, like I said, he's one of the best out there to ever play the position. His numbers speak for it itself. Sean Payton, you know what he brings to the table as far as offensive mind. So it's a difficult spot, but again, this is a, an away game. The link will be rocking. It's going to be loud, so it's going to be extremely difficult. He's dealing with some injuries on that side of the ball as well, even though I do like Mark Ingram. Um but as far as getting after Drew Brees, you have to mix it up and you have to you have to blitz him. Yeah, I would I, th- I would think that you would see maybe a lot more Nolan Carroll type of fires rather than Jordan Hicks, De- DeMarco Ryan, or DeMarco Ryan's listen to me, D'Amico Ryan's uh, and everything else. I think that's that's more the issue here is that you know you, you know Kendricks. I don't even know why they try to make him go. I, I guess uh, the the week before I would I would think that he's probably not going to go this week and I would hope that he doesn't just to you, you need to get that as healthy as possible for the next two weeks you know if you end up going one and four <laughs> just stay healthy it's just it, that that's where kind of my head is at there I, I don't know that's how awful that may or may not be um, you know moving forward this week and just offensively. Again, and I see the two Brandon. This is where this is where what kills me every week is I see the same kind of complaints, uh, but they are also like conflicting complaints. Is man, you got to run the ball more, and boy, are you so stubborn and boneheaded that you you won't switch it up? Like I, I don't know how you can please either thing here. Yeah, we can have revisionist history, and we can go back and and have the the O line argument over and over, which is. A very fair criticism, critique, and I would agree with all, almost all those points there. But this team is is about sixty four percent, thirty two percent to pass, or you know, to pass to run ratio. I would continue doing that throughout the rest of the year. I don't care how many wasted resources there are in the backfield. I don't care about touches or or anything else or trying to establish anything. Uh, I would say that you are a passing team now. And I know that's a very scary statement at this point, but why wouldn't you just adjust and go to that? Why is there such a need to run into a brick wall or have uh, negative carries, et cetera, et cetera? If, if your strength is pass blocking and Sam looks a little more competent as far as throwing the ball down the field, et cetera, et cetera, why can't this team now just become a passing team and adjust that way? I know Kelly's done it before in his college career, so what would stop them from doing that? I just don't think that's sustainable long-term. I don't think Bradford is good enough to carry the team in the passing game over the long-term. Maybe maybe enough to get you through some of these these games here where you're facing bad passing defenses, yeah. But, I mean, I said it in the in the offseason. I mean, the, the run game was going to make or break this team, and it's breaking them so far. They can't run the ball. I think that chokes down. It's a cascade effect. It's the same thing. What it did for the Cowboys as a positive and the Eagles in 2013 as a positive, you know, you're you're running the ball, you're getting easy first downs, receivers are getting more open, you know, there's there's less pressure on the defense because they're not out on the field the whole game, they're on the sideline, or or um, 
There's less pressure on the quarterback, like you said, to carry the offense. It's the exact opposite. So when the run game isn't working, all the pressure now is on Sam Bradford. All the pressure is on, you know, the, the receivers to step up. The pressure is on the defense to play way too many snaps. Uh, it's really a shame how this Eagles defense has been good this year, but and I think they could be even better if they didn't have to be on the field the entire game. It's you know, you, yeah. you look at the game against Washington and people want to talk about how oh the Eagles didn't step up on the final drive, and I think that's a bunch of BS because. They're, they were out in the field the entire game. And not only that, but they were they were depleted. You know, the defensive line was missing, like Brandon Bear, Cedric Thornton, uh, Taylor Hart. That's your top three defensive ends. So, I mean, they were just so banged up. And, and you saw it by the, the final drive. You know, players aren't going to say they're gassed. They're not going to admit to it. But they are. You can see it. They're just not. It's, it's, it's not good. So, I think when you talk about the passing game, I just don't have enough faith, really, in Bradford here. And, and the receivers, really, since they're not catching anything to, to say, oh, we can just be a passing team now. I know I just I don't think it's sustainable. Yeah. But Sean, I'll leave that to you, too, because I don't know how to make those different adjustments. I, I it's it, to me the the narrative before all this was you need to set up long, deep passes and that opens up the run game. I've always thought that was bullshit. And it was it didn't help the run game. In, at all by them throwing deep in the second half. It may be a, a few things here or there, but it, it doesn't. The offensive line controls that. So would you now change your strength? And it's and it's not even really a strength to moving it towards a passing team uh, until the run gets better. It's interesting. I mean, this is this is why Chip Kelly's making six point five a year. You know, this is why I've, I've been pumping the chest, saying he's the offensive guru. He has to figure something out. John you, and, and BLG, you have to run the football. We all agree. You have to be able to run the football if you want to have success. And and, and when you look at this team, they're thirty first and third down conversions. That's not because Sam Bradford stinks at completing passes. When it has a little something to do with wide receiver dropping the ball, but what it is, it's because they're staring at third and eight third and nine long third down conversions and it's just not happening for them. So this is why I look at Chip Kelly and it's like, Chip, you got to come up with some sort of scheme that the offensive line can complete. And I don't know if it's just one-on-one, if it's more zone blocking, it's if it's let's get rid of the sweeps. You know, I, I just, that's where it's got to start. You know, I feel you on the passing game when you can't run the football. What are you going to do? I'm all right with throwing the ball 55 times. But I failed to come over to that 100% because these guys are professionals. Jason Kelsey last year was saying he's the best center in football. Obviously, he took a step back this year, but still he shows you a little bit with the athleticism. Jason Peters getting a little bit older. Lane Johnson's dinged up there. He still can play at a high level. You just have to figure out what they can do. And, you know, they have to stop being able to, you know, DeMarco. Murray, I read this today, guys. DeMarco Murray's carried about 29 times. 20 out of 29 times he's been hit at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield. That's 20 insane. out of 29 times. How is that possible? So that's where it starts for me. Chip has to get it going with the run blocking up front. And I'm sorry that it's all on Chip, but like I said, he's making 6.5. He's paid one of the higher paid coaches out there in the NFL. He's got to deliver. And clearly that's all of DeMarco Murray's fault, obviously, (laughs) along with Ryan Matthews and everything else. And the quarterback at Sam Brown, everything is DeMarco Murray's fault. Um, You know, and and I agree with you guys. I'm not saying like that's that would be the best thing moving forward. I just I, I feel even with the run game and I agree that they have to. I don't know how you get that going. I don't think really Chip knows how to get that going. 
that that to me just kind of comes down to the the talent that is there, the shuffling that went on for throughout the first half, uh, the fact that Washington last week used up an entire quarter to go down the field, like the third and nineteen. And as much as we want to say last week that they were gassed, they were, but they also allowed you know an entire quarter almost to to be eaten up when they could have and should have gotten off the field. Now along with that. The offense should be able to run more than three plays during you know, during the first quarter as well. But those are the things, Brandon, that I don't know what the stacks disappeared. Like, I don't know where those went either. You know, they had the, the bunch where it would be like two on one side, two on one side or whatever, and there would be either a screen option uh, over there or they'd go whatever. I haven't seen that at all this year. And you have guys that are total yards after the catch guys and where are those at? Why not go to the outside at least and just open up the field again? Is that solely just because that's that's still an offensive line problem where they, they wouldn't even be able to hold any of that stuff going? Where are those things gone? Where is some of the stuff in the playbook that was working? I don't I don't see on the field anymore. What what's it going to take for those things to kind of come back? Do you think is that a more of a familiarity with everybody that's there or what, what's the holdup in your mind? I guess I haven't even really noticed that <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, you might be right. I just, just anything and not, not that specific. I just noticed that right. there's some wrinkles that are completely missing from the playbook of the past two years. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just, to me, it doesn't come down the scheme as much. Maybe I'm wrong. I could easily be wrong about that. It's 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 just really about the execution. And I, I know I'm sounding like Chip Kelly you. when I say that, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, like they just, there's fundamental things they're just not doing. Like the first play of the Washington game, Sam Bradford kind of underthrew Darren Sproles like on the first freaking play of the game. And Sproles kind of dropped it. But again, it was, it was low. It's just like, it's just, it's really amazing to me how they're struggling on every level of, of execution. And it's just weird because like when you, you look at a fix, I don't think it's running, you know, a different play because I just don't think they're even going to execute that play. It's just really, it's frustrating when you're looking at this and trying to fix it because you can't really say anything, then play better. <laughs> and, and how do you get them to do that? I don't know. Like I, I just, it's really it's Promise a problem. Almost, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe bring yeah bring Taco Tuesday back or something. But um, I just that's the that's the biggest thing for me. It's just like I don't even I look at this and I am like I don't know I don't know how to fix this. I don't have the answer, and I guess I'm glad because I don't get paid to do that. Well, uh, let's uh, see what everybody else is thinking uh, out there as we go to the BGN Anytime Hotline. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267 245 6066. That's 267 245 6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. This is Aaron from Illinois and uh, I just had a bit of a rant and a question at the end, but. Uh, Plus, I've been following the Eagles since I was a really young kid. And uh, in the last 15 years, I, I really don't think I've seen a worse team than what I've seen the last four weeks. Yeah, I mean, even the 2012 team, they they were a more talented group, in my opinion, than the, than the squad I've seen come out. Um, it, it was just a team, I think, that quit on Andy Reid. Um, this, this this team, to me, it just feels devoid of talent on offense. Uh, specifically on the offensive line and wide receiver, and I think I just really think that uh, Chip has—he's been his own worst enemy. Enemy, uh, his stubbornness and his 
his refusal to take responsibility is, is really just sickening. I, I understand his logic for using Cooper and Austin outside instead of Nelson um, for their size and whatnot and the run blocking prowess. But whenever most of your plays are getting stopped in the backfield, there's really no need for the downfield block. I, I just don't see it. What, where, where's, where's Josh Huff? This kid was supposed to have a breakout year, and now he's looking more and more like a wasted pick. Even if this team somehow by a miracle does make the playoffs, then what? Is it, it, I feel it's just going to be another 2013. I'm going to straight tied to the playoffs, and then it's going to be an early exit, and now we're looking at, again, another mid to late round draft pick in the, in the early 20s. And then we've got another half-decent mid-first-round, second-rounder that may or may not see snaps until two seasons down the road, or with Martin Smith, never. So I, I just don't – I don't know. I'm not saying maybe we should tank, but I, I just don't understand – I just don't understand what Chip Kelly's doing at this point. You know, that's funny because I heard somebody else say that to me the other day, and I think that's so small-minded, and I'm sorry out there in Illinois, Aaron, but it, you're telling me at 1-3, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, that that's, that's not good? You know, it's like – all right. Yeah, if they I realize. And done it. He's thinking. I, I feel you. At that point in time, I would be amazed. I would be. A, I'll build a statue of Chip Kelly right now if he's able to get this team to the playoffs. And I'm sure you guys agree with me. Oh yeah. You know, this, this team is bad right now. That's why I don't get. You know, I'm sorry to say it. I just don't see them beating the Saints this weekend. It's just, but again, I said this about the Jets as well. So I was wrong there, and they went up and beat the Jets, and I'm hoping that's what happens this weekend against the Saints. Look, if they make the playoffs this year, guys, I realize that this city hasn't won a Super Bowl, and we're all starved, this franchise. I get that, but I'm sorry. It, it Things happened, and uh, you could point to, you know, the the, the, the flip-flopping or, excuse me, the, the overhaul and bringing in new people. Um, it's not connecting right from the jump if you want to use that as your excuse. I think there's something to that. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're just not performing. And you counted on some of these guys to take the next step. Like a Jordan Matthews. He had a great rookie season. I don't remember Jordan Matthews dropping footballs last year. He's dropping them this year. Uh, the offensive line, we just touched on it already. Peter's taking a step back. Lane Johnson taking a step back. Jason Kelsey is taking a step back. Yeah. There is no way those words would have came up. Maybe Peter's. Maybe because I would have said, all right, you know, he's getting a little up there in age. But not Lane and definitely not Kelsey. So I look at all these things that are happening right now. If this team was to, be, to go on a run, and let's be honest about this, if this team wants to make the playoffs, you know, there's what? There's uh, 12 games left. They're at one and three right now. Um, they have to win. I know nine and seven. Everybody wants to float that out there, even though 10 and six didn't get them in. We'll see what happens with division. I mean, that's an impressive run. So if this team makes the playoffs, I realize it's one and done and everybody wants the Super Bowl, but I would be super impressed if Chip Kelly's able to get this going. I don't care how you get in. Just get in because anything can happen. I've been, I've been saying that for a while now. And, and just to Aaron's point, and look, I know BLG is kind of on this wavelength as well. We can talk about the offensive line forever, forever. Uh, and it was guards, 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 guards. That was that was the main thing there. No one, no one actually expected that there's going to be three more injuries again because how often does that happen uh, for the, you know, the offensive line was so-so last year too. Uh, and then it's not even really the guards that are the humongously big problem. Uh, and for me, we still have an, as a fan base and everything, we, we decide – when things are bad, we point the finger at whatever is bad at that moment, and that's who is responsible for those draft picks. I've heard it was Howie's decision, it was Chip's decision. It's Howie's decision, Chip's decision, whatever. The problem with what happened this year is that you had two guys that didn't disagree with 
or I didn't agree on on anything. At least that's the the feel I get from why Howie's not here and he buried all of his guys. The draft this year was a lot more cohesive than 2014. 2014 is a disaster. There is no Marcus Smith. He's already dead in my mind. Like that's it. You're you're it's you're you're on you're off. Josh Huff is not showing up. Uh, the the let, Jalen Watkins is not there. Cut gone. Uh, you have Ed Ed uh, Ed Reed. Yeah, I would love Ed Reed. I would. I think a sixty year old Ed Reed here. Uh, you know, you had you had all those guys uh, not here except for Bo Allen. So uh, even go back further, Andy didn't really address it properly. The offensive line. Andy didn't also address the cornerback situation or safety or anything else that was, you know, handcuffing this team. So there's a a ton of problems to fix. You're already a year behind because of the 2014 draft. You move on to establish your better, your philosophy and everything else. You cannot plug holes in one off season. You can't do it. You have to pick and choose. We always go through the argument of DeMarco Murray, and that's a waste of resources and money and everything else. Yes, but now you're costing yourself that in the draft. And everybody in February, before the offseason came around, was saying cornerback and quarterback. That Those are the two things that were on the tops of everybody's list, and O-line was third. So for how it all fell through, you can say, yeah, we might have Abdullah or Tevin Coleman or anything else here. Uh, I, you know, it's it's just kind of you're just choosing which other spot you're going to be deficient in. Now that O-line is the glaring number one thing, that's what you have to fix going into this next offseason with free agency and everything else. And I know BLG has some thoughts on on the offensive line as well. So we're, go ahead, BLG. First of all, I think I've just from looking around different, you know, SB Nation team blogs and just on Twitter and everything. I really think offensive line play is an, it's like an epidemic across the mm-hmm. NFL. I, yeah. I think there are a lot of bad offensive lines. Not that I'm trying to justify the Eagles here. I'm just saying, because I think there's, you know, is, is obviously not functioning very well at all, except in pass protection. They've been decent, not so much in the Washington game, but overall. But yeah, I just think it's an issue across the league. And I, I tweeted about this earlier this week. It's really bizarre to me how, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, how the Eagles didn't the offensive line they haven't drafted blah 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 and that's some fair criticism but it's so weird to me how you look at a team like the Atlanta Falcons and how they patch together that offensive line and it, it's just so weird it, it's similar to the Eagles they they only have one high pick Jake Matthews you could say like that's the Eagles equivalent of Lane Johnson uh, except Lane I think is better I think Jake Matthews has struggled a little bit more yeah and they drafted a seventh round pick this year who didn't make the team. So they basically, it's the same situation as the Eagles. They only drafted really one offensive lineman in the past three drafts. They got their guards from castoffs from bad teams. They got Chris Chester, who the Eagles actually showed some interest in, from Washington. Yes. And Andy Levitre, who was benched by the Titans and was going to be cut probably, or at least sitting on the bench from Tennessee. Their starting center was a journeyman, former seventh-round pick, who had never started a game before this season. They're starting right tackle as an undrafted free agent from 2013, and none of these players had ever played a single game next to each other in in uh, ever. So there's no none of this chemistry or anything, which I, I hear the Eagles criticized it for at times. And not only did they never play a game, but they, they didn't even start next to each other in, in the offseason or anything. They didn't have any offseason time, OTAs. Like I said, they they cut their starting center 
the new guy was in only a couple days before the season started, I think. And the guards are brand new, too. So, I mean, just a really bizarre situation. Uh, I just when I think about the Eagles offensive line, I think about that Atlanta offensive line. I just kind of put it in perspective of how, you know, like, how is this happening? Like, how is the how is the Eagles situation criticized so heavily and maybe rightfully so? But then how can a team like the Falcons just kind of pass this together and make it work? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like where there are so many different um, I just think from an NFL perspective, NFL Twitter, draft Knicks, all that stuff always have a set amount of rules of what makes a good football team. And guess what? The Detroit Lions fit all of those and they're 0 and 4. You know, like they have two really established uh wide receivers. Their offensive line is good. Uh their defense is obviously not what it was with Fairley and Sue and everybody else in there, but it's still a really good defense and they can't win. So and they have the number 1 overall pick quarterback Yes, you know, and they still are losing. So you're right. It is. It's crazy. It's crazy how things work out like that. I totally agree with you, John. Uh, all right, let's go uh, to the next one. Hi, this is Precious, and I don't think um, Philadelphia um, Eagles are doing a good job. I've been a fan for about 15 years, and I am very disappointed on what's going on. I think the line is being very lazy. They need to do something about it. I think Chip Kelly needs to be coach himself. Instead of him being out there coaching, he needs to be coaching himself. I am very upset with Chip. I am so upset. He got rid of all these good people, and the people he brought in ain't doing a damn thing. I'm just fed up. Precious checking in, and uh, really no questions there. And I can't really disagree with you being upset. And a lot of the things that uh, you know we kind of went through there um, are some reasons why of, of probably it's not working. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll, we'll move on to the next one. What's up, BGN? This is Stephen Lee calling from West Palm Beach, Florida, calling in regards to Sunday's matchup against New Orleans. Uh, this is actually one I'm looking forward to. Not going to lie, I have a, a kind of a bitter taste left over from the 2013 uh, playoff loss. The game I really thought we could win. Um, obviously, we, we, you know, we kept Drew Brees in check, and the run game, ironically, was what killed us. But I, I think that this go-around... Uh, we should see different results. Obviously, New Orleans doesn't look like a, a really good team. Uh, I will say that in addition to just being glad that they beat Dallas, I think it'd be worse if they hadn't won and had to play us on Sunday. That'd be a really, really desperate team at 0-4. Um, bottom line, though, I think that this is a game that is obviously a must-win. Uh, I think it, it is a game that we will win. I was impressed with uh, Bradford pretty much overall on Sunday. Um, I thought I saw some uh, some real improvement there. I think one of the key factors is neutralizing the run game. Not really scared of their uh, their pass presence. Uh, Brandon Cooks really hasn't showed up this year, and obviously the loss of Jimmy Graham has impacted them tremendously. Uh, so just want to gauge your guys' thoughts on the game. Um, I'm predicting a final score of 34 to 23. Uh, so let me know what you think. Thanks, guys. You know, the offensive line and stuff, I mean, we beat that one down. I think that's where you have to start when you talk about this team. If I could before picks, I would love to get this in, John, because I know you'll you'll love this, and I'll tee this up for you. Uh, I, and I love this guy to death. I do. I think Ron Jaworski is an amazing man. He does a lot of good things for this community. Um, he's a smart businessman. He knows the game of football. He watches the tape. He does the Sunday, the Sunday breakdown show with Sal Powell and Haji and all that. 
Uh, but he hopped on the radio station's airwaves and said that he thought Sam Bradford performed really bad in the first half. And I couldn't, I thought that was farthest from the truth than anything I've ever heard come out of Jaws' mouth. But then I remembered he did say that Colin Kaepernick was possibly going to be the greatest yeah. quarterback ever. So, <laughs> you know, I love you, Jaws, but uh, you're, you're not undefeated when you start making these assumptions. And I thought Sam Bradford. I'm not going to beat the drum for anybody on this Eagles roster right now. Maybe Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, other than that, yeah. I'm not going to go to bat for anybody. But I don't come away with this, uh, watching these first four games and saying Sam Bradford's not playing good right now. That's not that's the furthest thing from my mind. So uh, before you go to the picks, I figured I'd tee that up for you, Johnny. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, and it's true because when I saw – I didn't see really the first half that well. I was in between. I was traveling back from the station trying to get back home so we could record after the football game. And just the reaction from what I was, the the bits and pieces that I saw, and then the reaction on Twitter was stunning. Like, this was the worst performance that they've ever seen in their entire lives. And then I went back and watched the first half, and I was dumbfounded by what, what was everybody watching? You know, I understand right in the beginning, like, that throw has to be made. But from then on... Everything was was pretty much spot on. I mean, that, that throw to Aguilar was awesome. Uh, and then the play call to do the end around. I freaking head, hate end arounds. I don't, I don't care if that was Chip Kelly or uh, Bill Belichick in there. I hate end arounds. I, I just don't like them. And especially after a huge play, just get get the ball into your playmaker's hands again. That's what I'm saying. Like, why not just go to a quick screen out to him? You got everything rolling momentum. But anyway, I mean, the fumble, then it turns over. Uh, then the very the only next drive that he has to do anything, he throws a, an absolute strike to Zach Ertz and the uh, the ref. And as Jimmy Kemsky pointed out today in his article, little stingy on that on that illegal in, uh, uh, formation. As he points over to the ref, he says he's okay, and then it snaps, and then they throw the flag immediately. But still, like to me, that was an, a, a great performance by Bradford. And that 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 you should be happy about moving forward. That's where I kind of feel is like, all right, well, at least with the the a little easier schedule, that's something to build on. And then the, during the reaction show, that kind of came off too, where I was like, yeah, I don't know if you should kind of hang on to him. I'm I've flipped to the point now, Brandon, where I am very much in favor of riding this thing out the entire year, uh, just foregoing like any type of small return that you have. There's no reason to move on from him if he's showing this type of improvement week to week to week. And I think that, you know, a lot with, again, the preseason expectations, obviously we're still there, but I think the dramatic criticism of him has been, I don't know, pretty, pretty bad, if I, if I may add. But I'm, I'm more to the point where you just ride this out through the whole season, bar, barring injury, and stick with him going into next year. Because I'm looking at the draft class and it doesn't look great, and there's some people you can develop there. But would you still be on board, regardless of record, uh, having him stay for the entire year? Well, he needs to work on his butt. <laughs> I ah. saw that. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell the people what you mean by that. Oh, do I have to put context there? I thought you know <laughs> no. Um, yeah, there's an article apparently that someone wrote. Uh, Andrew Hurst, I think his name is. He's a trainer for a gym that uh, Brian Baldinger apparently works out at. And he kind of wrote this article for Brian Baldinger's site. I did not know Brian Baldinger had a site, but he does called Football Stories. And basically, uh, this this trainer, uh, Hurst, said that you know Bradford just doesn't have enough strength in his glutes, and that's a big reason why his throwing motion is off and everything. And obviously, I don't. I'm not qualified to speak on that. I just thought that was funny. But to to your question, seriously, I mean, yeah, 
you kind of just have to ride it out at this point. I just don't. I, I like Mark Sanchez a lot as a backup option. I think he's a fine backup option, but I just we saw him play last year. I just don't understand what going to him really solves. I just you're you're not going to contend with Mark Sanchez. It's not going to happen. And unfortunately for the Eagles, I don't know you know how how much you're really going to contend with Sam Bradford either, uh, especially at this point. I mean, I, I know he is playing better. Or at least you would you would think, especially with the stats and everything. Although I don't think he necessarily played up to the stats in the Washington game. Uh, I just don't know. I don't really know what you're you, you have in him going forward in the long term. I just don't think you know you're you're a contender with him. At least I haven't seen that enough from him. At least this point to think that. So it's it's hard because you know the Eagles. We're in this this quarterback purgatory phase with Nick Foles. I thought, you know, obviously that's why getting rid of him was the good move because he needed to move on, see if you could get something you could actually contend with. But, you know, so far it, it appears they could be down the same path with Sam Bradford, and there's really no easy answer in sight. As you said, John, you know, like the draft isn't necessarily looking good, and even if it is, you know, we don't know if the Eagles are going to be in good position uh, so I'm just really not encouraged by this team's quarterback situation. Yeah, they, they have to, at some point, develop somebody. That's what they haven't been able to do. Um, there's, a, maybe, there's a couple of guys that I think you could do it with. I just, I'm, I'm not sure. that. That's where I kind of get a little frustrated with Kelly of, well, yeah, you're supposed to be the guy that is, is coaching them up there. Like you know, There's those established things of like the percentage of guys that don't work out uh, aren't great. Yes, but you have to kind of get them to that point too you know there's there's only so much you can do and i guess we'll just have to kind of see how this works out but uh we're winding things down uh the eagles predictions are coming up in just a little little bit but let's get to the nfl picks hit me it's time to ring the bell and play some bets hey i don't want your money punching my money here come our nfl picks here comes the money here we go money talks here comes the money Well, I think I'm about breaking even across all platforms here. And it's, uh, it, again, another interesting, somewhat interesting week. I'm, I'm so glad that we don't have to bet on this awful Thursday night game as we're, because we're recording it just before that's going on. If uh, Hopefully that Colts and Texas game, uh, Texans game was uh, was totally worth it. But BLG, uh, kick us off. Where are we heading to first, not, my friend? You guys might not like this, but I have to start with the Eagles game and... <laughs> I can't pick the Eagles to win. I just can't. Just the way they've looked this season. I just, I don't have any confidence in them. The Saints are four and a half point road favorites. I don't like the Saints on the road ever really playing outside of that dome. You know, Drew Brees kind of hasn't looked like the Drew Brees he usually does for the most part. Although obviously looking a little bit better against the Cowboys. And the Saints defense is bad. So if there ever was a week for this Eagles offense to get going, you would think it would be this week. But until I see it happen, I just, I can't believe it. Eagles haven't won at the link and I think since late last November it's just I have no confidence I have to take the Saints with the points you know how many narratives kind of fit up with 2013 though it's pretty crazy BLG because they couldn't win at the link there either remember that whole debacle you're never going to be able to win there again but I agree with you I can't ring the bell in this one they haven't covered a spread ever so I, I would take the Saints and the points this week too uh, Sean, where are we heading to next, my friend? Oh, we're going Monday night football. And I, I just love, I think this is the lock of the week. Wow. I love the San Diego Chargers. Love them. 
versus Steelers. There's a lot of reasons why. If I could just simplify it just a little bit, not a believer, obviously, without Ben Roethlisberger and Michael Vick, uh, San Diego. I still believe could put up some points. I'm a big Phillip Rivers fan, especially when he's at home. I love the Chargers on Monday night. Yeah, no, I do, I do too. Uh, you know, just minus three, I think that's a pretty easy cover. Still not a huge believer in the Steelers, you know, even if Roethlisberger was there. But, uh, yeah, I, I am right there with you. Uh, boys, we are going to travel on down to Dallas uh, because this has been – my, I don't want to call it favorite. Uh, let's call it most horrendous storyline leading up to this week. Dallas Cowboys are getting 10 points at home. And that should tell you, oh my gosh, take that in the points at home. Are you kidding me? That's the biggest road dog you've ever seen. But when Greg Hardy, that human garbage piece of shit, calls out Tom Brady, his wife and his wife's sister, to put on the bulletin board already, after Goodell, the entire league, and everybody else has taken a dump in Tom Brady's mouth, and then this happens to put on top of that, also coming after a bye week, son, you, you done, done fucked up. up. <laughs> you done <laughs> fucked up. I this this will probably be, and Mike Meach pointed this out, and God bless him. It's going to be probably minus fourteen for the Patriots coming into that at kickoff, and I would take it then at minus ten. I'll take it at minus fourteen. Patriots are going to boat race this team, and he's going to drop his nuts on the star. I'm taking the Patriots and the points at minus 10, and I cannot wait to see that bad boy. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Katie Nolan for absolutely destroying that entire thing and calling out all the guys that were putting that in there. I, I couldn't believe the dumb questions that we got after that. I don't care who, what kind of fan you are. Greg Hardy should not be playing in this league, period, with, with especially with answers like that. What a fucking douchebag. Uh, he shouldn't be playing this week. Uh, I think Jerry Jones should have stepped in and been like, son, you don't understand it, but what yeah. am I saying here? Jerry Jones, yeah. he doesn't have the balls to do that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, let's end on a little bit of a, a happier note. Uh, BLG, how does this one end in Philadelphia on Sunday? Oh, well, you said happy note. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you want to hear my pick now, well, but um, yeah, I don't see the Eagles winning. I think it's. Uh, I think it could be yet another ugly game because that's pretty much how every single Eagles game has been this year. I think this is a game that's within reach of the Eagles. I don't think it's an unwinnable game by any means, but I don't think I have the confidence in them to, to pick them to win. So I'm taking them to lose. I'm thinking it's like 27 to 24 Saints win. All right. Well, opening day, opening night, Monday night football had the Eagles over to Falcons loss home opener against the Cowboys had the Eagles against the Cowboys loss <laughs> Jets had the Jets. Loss. Last <laughs> week against the Skins, I picked the Eagles to turn it around. Loss. <laughs> All right, so I'm 0-4 right now with this Eagles team. So you want me on the New Orleans Saints, and that's where I am. I'm with BLG. I just think that this team is really, really bad. I just do. And I think Drew Brees, I know we're giving him a hard time. He doesn't have a lot of weapons. But look, he's still putting up the numbers down there. A team is not as bad as their record. So I think that they come in and they win just like they did in 2013 in the playoff game. Saints, I'll go, uh, you know what? I like the 24, 24-20. I like an ugly ball game. Uh, Saints come out on top. Uh, yeah, the over-under is uh, 49, and I think that's maybe the second or first highest this week, which is kind of interesting to look at. So, yeah, I think that everybody is expecting a shootout. I'm not sure that exactly happens. I just don't have a good feeling. I didn't have a good feeling last week either. Uh, as much as 
one in four is we're going to be we're going to be putting in the violins and looking at draft tape. Um, I, I don't think I can choose the Eagles in this one either. Uh, just based on on everything else that's coming around here, maybe they turn that around. Maybe they get some extra snaps. It's really this all, all this offense needs is about ten or fifteen extra snaps, and I think they they win that game uh, last week. So if the defense can somehow get Drew Brees off the field uh, once in the in the opening quarter, and there can be finally two halves of football, I just don't see it happening. So unfortunately. It is a it is a downer. You're right, Brandon. We shouldn't have said happy note. It's going to be a more frustrating note. But um, you know, again, uh, keep it uh, locked into bleedinggreennation.com. Of course, BGN Radio. Uh, and one more time, myself and James Elser will be on Sunday morning on 97.5 The Fanatic from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. to get you warmed up from this one. Maybe I'll change my mind as as uh, we get closer to game day, as I did last week, and I and I shouldn't have. But uh, for myself, John Barchard, for Mr. Brandon Lee Gout, and of course, Sean Brace, go check him out at phillyinfluencer.com and his podcast and everybody doing hard, hard work over there. Uh, some great pieces uh, going on over there. So uh, that's going to do it for BGN Radio episode number 119 right here on bleedinggreennation.com and libertybroadcast.co. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcast, and we thank you for choosing ours. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.